Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. And we're going to continue our series, The Key to Everything. Uh, the key to everything, as Pastor Ben talked about the last two weeks, is uh, an ongoing, life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. The key to everything in life is that ongoing, life-transforming relationship with Jesus. Uh, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament was able to make a statement that we see in our Bibles in the book of Philippians. And the book of Philippians was a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And the, the book of Philippians is called a prison epistle, which means Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. And so Paul writes this letter, and, and um, in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, it says, For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I know both how to have little, and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Isn't that incredible? So Paul discovered the key, the key to be able to face any and all circumstances in life was that relationship with Jesus Christ, that he knew that through him, through Jesus Christ, that he could be strengthened and he could, he could do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And so this series is not about five steps to having a successful marriage or, or if you do these things, you're going to you know, have a great business or you're going to have financial wealth and abundance. That's not what this series is about. This series is about giving us a key so that whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, whatever season of life we end up in, whether it's a season of plenty or whether it's a season of lack, we can face it and we can do all things through him who strengthens us. Amen. And so we see that the key is that ongoing life transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and that, relationships that relationship consists of two very important components. And those two components are grace and obedience. Grace and obedience. Grace being that divine sovereignty, God's part of the equation. And the obedience is, is our human responsibility, our responsibility, our response to his grace. And as those two come together, as those two collide, amazing things happen in our lives. As those two things collide, miracles are possible. As those th two things come together, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding because his grace comes in an incredible way. And so today, we're going to look at a passage of scripture and we're going to see what took place in this moment as grace and obedience came together. And so turn with me to the book of Matthew. And Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. And so you can go to the very middle of your Bible and then go to the right a little bit and you're going to run right into Matthew. Now, Pastor Ben talked about how uh, we've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Matthew, though it's the first book of the New Testament, the first of the Gospels that's listed in our Bible, it is not actually the first that was written. It's believed that Mark was the first Gospel written. 
um, we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and those are considered the synoptic gospels, which means we can take those three accounts of Jesus's life and we put, put them side by side. And as we read side by side, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we can see stories that, that are, are mentioned in all three of those. And this passage that we're going to read today is mentioned in all three. It's mentioned in Matthew, it's mentioned in Luke, and it's uh, also mentioned in Mark. And so we're going to read in Matthew chapter 12 this morning. And let's pray as we look to the word today. God, we thank you for um, just the opportunity to gather here this morning. And God, as we prepare to look to the word of God, we pray that this morning as you, we read your word, that faith would arise in this place, that faith would arise, that faith would increase in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so we ask that faith would increase in our hearts, in our lives this morning as we look to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read Matthew chapter 12. It says, moving on from there, he entered their synagogue. There he saw a man who had a paralyzed hand. And in order to accuse him, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now, who was they? In order for them to accuse him, they asked him. They is referring to the Pharisees, the religious um, people of that day, of that time. And, and Jesus, as he came on the scene, was upsetting their way of life. Um, and, and these people were people that lived by the letter of the law. Um, they lived by the letter of the law, but not just the letter of the law, but they also lived by the traditions uh, that had developed over time and that had been passed down, the oral traditions. And so these people wanted to accuse Jesus, and, and so they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But he said to them, what man among you, if he had a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it and lift it out? A man is worth far more than a sheep. So it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. Then he told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was restored as good as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Um, this, this passage, as we look at it, it's mentioned in all three, as I said. And Matthew was specifically mentioned and, and, and written to a Jewish audience. So uh, the book of Matthew came along, and, and as you read through it, there are key words in the book of Matthew. And one of those key words is kingdom. And so we have Matthew that's written to a Jewish audience, and then we have Mark and Luke that are written to a Gentile audience, which just simply means anyone that was not of the Jewish lineage. So we have this passage that's mentioned in all three of them, which tells me that there was a, a message that God wanted to be communicated through this, through this encounter, that he wanted to make sure it got to everyone, no matter what the, their background was, no matter what their lineage was, no matter what family they came from. God wanted to make sure that the message that was contained in this encounter got communicated to everyone. And so I believe that, that contained in the passages here that we're reading this morning that God has something for each of us today. On Monday, um, I have our oldest daughter, she does ballet. She's a ballerina. Um, and she was at ballet, and, and, um, and it came time 
for me to go pick her up. And I was not being mindful of the clock. And how many any parents out there that you've had that happen before your kids are at their sporting event or their activity or maybe it's school and you realize what time it is and then you look at your watch and you realize how many minutes it actually takes you to get there. And I began to panic a little bit when I looked at the clock. And so I quickly just reached my purse, grabbed it, and ran out the door. Anybody else have a moment like that? Maybe it was this morning. Maybe it was for you it was this morning. I don't know. So I grab my purse super quick, and I run out the door, and I get there. Plenty of time. Thank you, Jesus. Um, you know, there may have been confessional moments, you know, for breaking speed limit, you know, and confessing to Jesus, um, you know, once I got there. Um, but I got there, and she comes out, and she gets in the car, and I needed to stop by the grocery store because we're in the middle of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I realized if I'm going to make it through this week, I've got to get a few items. So we swing by the grocery store, and and my daughter stays in the car, and I just said, you know what, I'm just going to run in super quick, and then we'll get home. So I go inside, and I get the little basket, because I didn't need a lot. So I grab the basket, and I go through, and I get all the items I need. And I get up to the, the register, and I start putting all of my items on the little conveyor belt there. And I take my basket and put it down. You know, they've got the stack right there. You know what I'm talking about. And um, they're all, all my atoms are on there now. And so I put my basket down and I look to my purse. Now there's a lineup of people behind me and there's a couple people in front of me. And I open my purse to grab my wallet. Yeah, you know where I'm going. And there's no wallet, right? There's no wallet in my purse. And so I just try to compose myself and try to very discreetly without anyone noticing begin to pick up the basket and I start putting the items one by one back into the basket right anybody else feel my pain right now and I'm just going okay and hoping that no one's gonna say anything nobody's gonna see me and the gal right in front of me just goes ah, well what happened and I thought you know Hey, she said it quite loudly, you know, and so there's no hiding what happened now. And so I just go, you know what? I honestly, I don't know either my husband, my kids, myself took my wallet out of my purse. I have no idea, but I don't have my wallet in my purse, you know, blame it on the husband, you know. Um, I, don't, I don't know where it's at, but my wallet's not in my purse. So, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to grab my items. I'm going to run home. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to come back, no big deal. I'm just trying to downplay it, you know, no big deal. Deep inside, I'm like fuming. I'm like, you know, this just, you know, messes up my plan. And, uh, and the gal just looks at me and she goes, well, let this one be on me. And in that moment, I'm standing there. And I've got this, you know, inner turmoil, you know, I've got, you know, all these emotions rising up. And I thought, but, 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 but I'm the one that does that. <laughs> I'm the pastor with the You Got Blessed card in my purse. Literally, I had a You Got Blessed card in my purse in that very moment. But I had no wallet to buy anybody anything. And so I'm standing there and I'm in a place of need. And here... God uses this woman, and grace is extended to me in that moment. And I had a choice to make. I had a choice to make. I had a choice of whether I was going to respond to that grace, to that offer that was presented to me, or whether I was going to continue to put those items back in my basket and walk away and have to take a good 40 minutes detour before I was able to finally be back home and go on with my evening as I 
as I had planned. And so here I was. And there was one thing, there was one choice, one decision, one step of faith, one step of obedience between me and the answer to my problem. And here in this passage, we have a man. And the Bible says that Jesus sees him. Now, depending on what translation of the Bible you're looking at, it says that Jesus saw a man who had a paralyzed hand. Or it may say, behold, there was a man with a withered hand. Now, that word, behold, as you look at it, that, that word is meant to draw special attention to the one that it's referencing. And knowing that Matthew was written to a Jewish audience and the purpose of it was to show that Jesus was their long-awaited Messiah, was their king to come, that, that, and knowing that the kingdom was one of the key words in Matthew, I begin to think about a kingdom. I begin to think about a palace. And I begin to think about when, when there's a, an engagement happening at the palace and as, as all the people are coming in, you, you see in the movies the man that's standing there, behold, King so-and-so, behold, princess, and announcing each one as they come in to bring special attention to those. Now, this is, this is what's happening in this moment. Jesus isn't seeing the ones that have everything together. Jesus isn't seeing the ones that are righteous and are, are praying and worshiping. Jesus isn't drawing special attention to those that have everything all together. But instead, he says, we see, behold, a man with a withered hand. Behold, which tells me that if you came into church this morning and you find yourself in a place of need, you find yourself lacking in an area, you find yourself hurting in an area, I want you to know that Jesus sees. And he doesn't just see, but his attention is drawn to you. It's like when you walked in the door this morning, he's like, behold, there she is, the one that needs my presence more than anyone else in this room. Behold, here's so-and-so. And if you came in this morning and, and, and you would say, you know what, everything's great. I'm having a great week. There's, there's nothing going on, nothing wrong in my life. You know what, you're in the right place at the right time. Why? Because there's somebody else sitting next to you that needs to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. So God has a purpose and a plan for every one of us here today. But today we need to know that as we walk into the church, Jesus is specifically has his attention drawn to those that are in need. He said in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus tells us that the sick are those that are in need of a doctor, not those that are well. Jesus says, I came not for the righteous, but I came here today for the sinner. I came here not for the one that's well, that has everything all together, but I am here. My main reason for being here is for those that are bankrupt in their soul, that need me, that need, that need to know that it's Christ that is the way, the truth, and the life. That's why he came. And so we see, behold, there's a man. And here he is with a withered hand. And you might be here this morning, and you might have a need in your life and Jesus is saying behold in the book of Luke as we read this passage in the book of Luke Luke before he was a disciple was a physician and so when you read through Luke's book you'll find that he brings details 
that others don't. How many of you are glad that accuracy and detail are something that is a quality found in doctors? Yeah, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, that's a good thing to have. Don't want them to miss anything, okay? So Luke mentions that it's not just any hand, but it's specifically his right hand that is paralyzed, his right hand that is withered, that has no source of life in it any longer. It's withered and dried up, and, and, and it has no strength, no, no ability to move. It's his right hand. And as we look, in, 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 as we look at the Bible and, and through history at this time, the right hand represented strength. And the right hand is also often associated with blessing. And so it would appear that this man has no strength, and it would appear as though the blessings are no longer on his life. So a man who is in a place of lacking all strength in that right hand and devoid of blessing has the attention of Jesus. And it's interesting that Jesus does something here. In Mark and Luke we see that Jesus specifically says, you get up and come here. He calls him from the place that he was at to come out in front of everyone. Now, some of you might, I don't know about you, but this is where my mind goes, you know. How dare him? How insensitive. You know, have you ever thought that? You know, how many times Jesus calls someone in front of everyone and you would think, he knows, I mean, he can see what's, what's lacking in there. Like, he can see the pain, he can see that the hand is withered and, you know, most likely just, you know, hanging there from his elbow. And Jesus brings him out and brings him in front of everyone. Get up, come here, stand here. Jesus did not bring him out in front of everyone to shame him. Jesus brought him out from, in front of everyone that he might display his glory through him. Can I tell you that Jesus doesn't call you out? He doesn't call out your, your pain. He doesn't call out your need for the purpose of shaming you, for the purpose of embarrassing you. He calls you out. He sees that pain, and he calls you forward because he wants to display his glory and his grace in and through you. I know a lot of times we, we stay in our seats when the pastor or the minister says, you know, respond to what God is doing today. And a lot of us stay and we remain in our seats for that reason because we, we don't want to be shamed. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be ridiculed. But this man... In that moment, he didn't question. We don't see that there was any comment. He just came. He came. He came before Jesus. And then Jesus has the audacity to then looking at him, knowing, you could see it, knowing his inabilities, he says, stretch out your hand. Think about it. Jesus asked him to do something that he was absolutely incapable of doing. There was no way. There was no, it was paralyzed. Yet Jesus says, stretch it out. What? Have you ever had that happen before? Where maybe you're reading your Bible and you're reading and then you get to this scripture. It says, forgive as Christ has forgiven you. 
I've had so, I've been there myself, and then I've had, as a pastor, I've had so many conversations over the years with people as, as they're at this moment in this place in life that, that, that there's forgiveness that needs to be given or forgiveness that needs to be received, and they would say, I can't, I'm not ready, I don't feel like I'm ready to forgive, and yet we read the scripture that says, forgiven as Christ has forgiven you. God asks us to do many things that we are absolutely incapable of doing in and of ourselves and in our own strength. I know I've been there where I knew as I was reading the scripture that there were some people in my life that had abused me, that had used me, that I needed to forgive. But can I tell you, there was no way, there was no way that I could do that. I was like many of those that I, I've, I've talked to and counseled over the years. I was sitting in that space going, it just doesn't register with my mind. I, I'm not like God. You know, people's sins are not separated from them as far as the east is from the west, that God no longer remembers them anymore. I have a mind. I have a memory. I remember. You know? It's like the scripture when we read it as we're going into February, the love month. It says love keeps no record of wrong. God asks us to keep no record of wrong. Love people. And then we read scriptures that say, love your enemies. What? God often asks us to do things that in and of ourselves, we are absolutely, completely incapable of doing. And so here's this man. But yet in that space, in that moment, in the middle of his incapacity, in the middle of his inability, that was the space in which the glory of God, the power of God, the grace of God would be displayed. It was in that space, in that moment, in that place of our inabilities, in that place where we fall short, God comes. And so we have to look at this and go, Okay, we see grace, grace in this moment right in front of the man, grace embodied in the person of Jesus is right there before him. And being asked to do something that he is completely incapable of doing, we have to ask ourselves, well, what, where was his, where's the human responsibility that comes in? Where's the, the obedience that comes in? He can't obey because it's impossible for him to obey. There's, there's no life in his arm. There's no, so where do we see the faith? Where do we see the obedience play out? It was in his willingness. Because when we read this passage, we don't see that the man questions Jesus. We don't see that he says, um, um, sir, um, I don't know if you've noticed. Um, I would really like to. We don't see that he even questions it in that moment, but there was a willingness inside of him that says, Jesus is asking this of me. I can't, but God, I'm willing. And in his willingness, that human responsibility, that, that faith response in his willingness, suddenly he stretches out his hand. That very thing that, that was dead, that very thing that, that he couldn't move, that very thing that in and of his own abilities and his strengths, he couldn't, he couldn't function, he couldn't make work. All of a sudden, his willingness, his, his obedience connected with grace, and suddenly a miracle took place. 
It says that that hand was healed just as the other. It was restored just as the other. Just as the other. Monday as I was standing in that grocery line, I couldn't. I couldn't pay for my groceries. God was extending grace to me in that moment. And the question was whether or not I was going to be willing to receive it. And I had to push back so much pride. I had to push back shame and just say, wow. Yeah. Yeah. She had three items on the conveyor belt. I had a whole bunch. <laughs> yes, I had a little basket, but I filled my basket to the brim, okay? And so here I was, and I just simply had to say yes. And I said yes, and in that moment, man, this woman stepped in and paid the price that I couldn't pay. I was standing there thinking to myself, but I'm the pastor. But, 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 but I really do have money in my bank account. Sure, you left your wallet at home. Left their wallet. She's one of those that left their wallet. I'm just being real. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank, it doesn't matter how much you lack, it doesn't matter what your status is, every one of us in this place will fall short and have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that none, not one of us, all of us, every single one of us have sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God which tells me that there is a time, and for you it might be right now, where you realize that you fall short, that you're bankrupt. And without Jesus, the reality, ladies and gentlemen, is that every one of us is going to stand at the threshold of heaven one day. And in that moment, God is not going to ask us, what is your status in society? He's not going to ask us, are you the employer or the employee? God is not going to ask us, how much money did you have in the account? God is not going to ask you, how many good things did you do in your life? The question is going to be, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Have you been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ? Did Jesus die on the cross for you, that grace? Did you respond to that grace? Did you accept that grace? Did you receive that grace? And if you did, welcome into the, into the heavenlies. If not, then we fall short. We're heading in a different direction. So the, the reality is no matter of whether we find ourselves in a place of need in our marriage or a place of need in our finances, every one of us at one point in life, whether we ever end up there or not, we will be in a place of need, in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.